Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. Today, we are going to be talking about the Permanent Fund. We're going to go ahead and jump into this podcast with the assumption that you that you have kind of a basic uh, fundamental understanding of what the Permanent Fund uh, is and, and how the dividend works. Is, is that a fair starting point? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. So what happened? We ha- we ended up somehow, there were a bunch of articles that came out that, that said we had a uh, permanent fund was going to be $2,700. So if you haven't been paying attention, we have this massive fiscal crisis in Alaska. And the last couple of years, part of the way that they've kind of planned for that, I guess, they haven't really paid for it. They've planned for it by cutting the dividend. And so um, the whole assumption is that eventually they'll figure out a way to... Um, spend some of the permanent fund earnings and other things to help balance this sort of multi-billion dollar budget. That plan hasn't come together, so a number of legislators voted to put into place a fully funded permanent fund dividend, which comes to about $2,700, and it costs the state uh, about $2 billion to pay out, which made a, a bunch of people pretty unhappy. All right. And so um, we should note that those that those the two previous years, the cuts to the permanent fund were done in unusual ways. It wasn't that they came up with some grand plan or that it was like a, um, a thing that everyone agreed on. The first year it was a line item uh, veto by the governor. And last year, the legislature um, just didn't appropriate the full amount. And so the way the fund is the way the dividend is calculated didn't change. It's just that the appropriation wasn't made. So less money was paid out to Alaskans. And, and that was all kind of done. Um, in preparation to, you know, eventually having a fiscal plan. So they cut the dividend, um, but they never actually put any of that money toward government. So this year, our other accounts have run out to to the point where we actually have to be looking at um, making a withdrawal from the dividend paying account. And so... Which is the earnings um, reserve? Which is the earnings reserve. You watch gavel to gavel all day. Maybe... Um, maybe we can draw on your knowledge and we can just dive in and, and do like we could go on gavel gavel, pull up the archives and just kind of do a play by play and listen to some of the what some of the legislators had to say about this. Um, and then you and I can kind of unpack that. Yeah, sounds good. Let's start with uh, Tammy Wilson here. I guess my frustration is it seems like the only thing that anybody wants to cut here is just the permanent fund dividend. The budget's up. It's above, up an operating cost year after year. Yet, there's no realization that we can't afford what we're doing when it comes to the budget. And we can't get it out of the dividend. We are unlike any other state, Mr. Speaker, and that is we don't own the subsurface rights underneath our properties. We hear the things that happened in Texas and North Dakota and and how much money those residents made when they found oil. When times get tough, we all have to pitch in, and I don't think there's one resident that doesn't believe that. But they don't want to be the only ones pitching in, and that's what cutting the dividend does. And it cuts it to everybody. We keep talking about Medicaid and how many more people are on Medicaid and how many more people are on programs. And, and what does the ICER study say? Well, the ICER study says the worst thing that we could possibly have done is to cut the permanent fund dividend. And it seems like everybody wants to listen to everything else that ICER says except that one part of it. There is no way that I can vote against this amendment when I know the only true cut that government wants to make 
It's with it the people's money. Thank you. So, I mean, that seems like a legitimate concern because if we if we believe that, as our constitution says, the people own the resources in Alaska and own these subsurface rights collectively, um, and and we believe that the dividend program is our share of that resource wealth, then it shouldn't be quite so easy to take it away, right? I mean, that's the that's the whole that's really I think hitting on the key issue there, right? Is um, you know the is the permanent fund dividend the purpose of the permanent fund? You know, that's that's really I think one of the core arguments there. I think some of the people who are arguing in favor of reducing the dividend would argue that a straight cash payment isn't necessarily the intention of it, and so they're arguing that maybe some of it should be used for state government. Um, what she's also, are, you know, I think arguing against here is this really this idea that we need to be paying attention to what the dividend's costing and consider it a budget expense. Kind of in years past, the um, dividend just kind of happens. Um, there wasn't really a very specific, you know, the legislature didn't set a number in there. They just approved the funding level, and so no one ever looked at it and said we're spending $900 million or however many billions of dollars on the dividend every year. They just kind of just sort of happened. And so I think yeah. this sort of new looking at it as an expense is kind of a little discomforting. Yeah. And I can see why that would be discomforting. Well, and I think too, it kind of grabs onto the, the other part of the argument, which is like, what's next, right? And so if you start treating it like it's a state expense that uh, can be kind of changed and appropriated by the legislature and they set the numbers every year, like what stops it from being reduced further you know we've kind of started with half and now we're kind of at a little bit like a third or so you know if we start kind of thinking about it as an expense what stops us from changing our minds in the future i think that's where we kind of find people finding sort of odd alliances in supporting a fully funded dividend yeah it's i mean it's been really interesting for me to think through like i grew up here in alaska and and it's always just been a part of my life since I was very young. And so I think a lot of people my age um, and younger just sort of take it for granted and they don't um, they don't have a real appreciation of what it means to uh, collectively own these resources and benefit from them. Um, you know, if you live in another state like Texas, you've got kind of the Beverly Hillbillies model where you shoot a hole in the ground and the oil comes <laughs> bubbling out and, and now you're going to become a millionaire and move to Beverly Hills. But in Alaska, you shoot the ground and the oil comes bubbling out and it's all of our gain. Um, collectively yeah so it's it's different up here and it's a and it's a hard thing to it's a hard thing to square up with this money that we get for free to to think that it's um that we're actually entitled to it um if you believe you're entitled to it it changes your thinking about it because it's easy to throw away it's it's easy to say like i don't deserve this free money but when you think about like okay i'm a resident of the state and this is my share of our resource wealth that's it changes it changes how you perceive it yeah and i think it's that kind of the ownership of it as well as um you know i I think it's one of the things where everybody in alaska if you've lived here for one calendar year is eligible to receive so there's a very kind of communal sense of this and i think that's kind of that argument is where you're starting to find some of the allies on here you have people like tammy wilson who represent a very conservative mindset of things um finding allies with much more liberal people on this issue. And yeah. I think this actually really blends well into what uh, Representative Chris Tuck, uh, the majority, House Majority Leader, a Democrat, Union Democrat from Anchorage, um, said, on, said on the measure. So let's pop in. Was that a segue? That was really good. Yeah. All right, Chris Tuck, let's jump in there. There was uh, a lot of good discussion here today. This isn't an easy decision for a lot of us. 
Um, there's different views on the permanent fund. Some, some people argue that the original intent of the fund was to pretty much uh, fund state government after the temporary oil riches ran away or ceased to exist. While others point out that when the, the intent of the fund changed in 1976 when we started the dividend program. And uh, Governor Hammond at that time really wanted Alaskans to receive a dividend, receive some royalty payments from the oil industry. And he had multiple reasons for that, but one of the reasons why is he wanted to make sure that Alaskans played a role in its government, how the budget spent and where our money comes from. He also saw that our government was catering to a small group of special interests that were well-funded and were benefiting humongously, hum uh, very greatly, from um, uh, our uh, wealth of Alaska. And so he wanted to be able to put this dichotomy there. And now, look where we're at. Because we don't have a fiscal plan, we're relying on the permanent fund to pay for government this year. And this is in the wake of Alaska receiving the smallest government take ever in Alaska's history on oil. And um, I don't know why, but it seems to be here in America and now here in Alaska that whenever government gets themselves in a fiscal mess, it is the working person. It is the lower income families that have to bear the burden and bear the grunt of fixing the situation. There are many views on how to look at the permanent fund. Some people say, hey, uh, go ahead and take my permanent fund. I don't need it. If the government needs it, go ahead and take it. You got another group of people out there that say, keep your dirty paws off my permanent fund dividend. I know how to spend it better than government does. Cut the budget, and plus it's a big stimulus to the economy. Then you got another group of people out there that say, hey, look, we have got to protect public services. We've got to protect public education. We've got to protect public safety. We have this pot of money out there. Why aren't we using it? And then you got another group of people that say, anytime there's a loss of income to pay for government, that's essentially an income tax. And that's one of the most unfair income taxes you can ever impose on fixed income seniors, children, as multimillionaire friends. I do think I fall in that camp where it's unfair for my two and a half year old daughter to be paying the same tax as my multi-million friend as my fixed income senior mother. And when we look at what does the people want, we have a long history here in Alaska where a permanent fund dividend, dividend was given on the statutory formula, formula, with the exception of the last two years. Did we spend it on government? No, we didn't. We put that money away because we're trying to get a fiscal plan, one that will give full dividends to Alaskans. But Alaskans have already experienced two years of dividend cuts. The most recent advisory vote that we had was in 1999. And it states, it's an act, if I may read, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Majority Leader. It's an act relating to the income for Alaska Permanent Fund and authorize an advisory vote on a long-term financial plan for the state and providing for an effective date. And for those people who wanted to vote yes and those people that were arguing yes on the ballot, 
At the end, they say the question. After paying annual dividends to residents and inflation-proofing the permanent fund, should a portion of the permanent fund investment earnings be used to help balance the state budget? Yes or no? And then simply was put by Governor Hammond on the vote, no, in opposition to this. And he says this, if I may read, Mr. Speaker. If more money is needed, should only Alaskans pay? Or should the more than a million tourists and thousands of non-resident commercial fishermen, pipeline and construction workers who come up here to work and play, pay at least something? If only Alaskans pay, should all pay the same regardless of income? And do I trust the government to do a better job of spending $500 of my dividend than I would myself? And then he goes on to say that opposition to that um, idea of spending on government calls it a permanent fund dividend income tax. And then he goes on to say that numerous studies show dividends provide the greatest collective economic boost to Alaska's communities of any state program. That money gets distributed throughout the state of Alaska. So as I pointed out at the beginning of this discussion uh, on Friday, that uh, depending on the year, we keep people from 10,000 to 25,000 Alaskans out of poverty. And I choose keeping people off of public assistance. So I'm asking for people to please vote for this amendment. So for Chris Tuck, the things that I want to talk about are, I think that he says, um, you know, he points out that it's an unfair income tax that's levied on children. Mm -hmm. He talks about his daughter. He talks about the, uh, um, you know, he invokes the ghost of Jay Hammond several times. Um, and he talks about the vote, the advisory vote. You haven't had an advisory vote since to direct us otherwise. Um, but it seems like it clearly says that we're not supposed to be doing this. I think the argument about the equality of the the uh, the permanent fund cut alone is, I think, the really most, for me, compelling argument out there. You look at the percentage of income someone loses from losing half their dividend, and it you know varies greatly from 100% for a child to just you know, a fraction of a percent for someone who's very wealthy. And I think that's something that um, I think wasn't really discussed a whole lot at the beginning when we first really started looking at this idea. But now when um, there's a really big refusal, there might be, you know, mocking laughter aimed at uh, income taxes or anything like that. I think there's like a real attention now to the fact that like the people who are paying the most out of their own income are the poorest, the elderly and children. And I think that is really... I think that should be troubling for most people, I think. Even if it is free money, it is money that um, people aren't going to be getting. We're, we're getting and won't be getting. You know, if you think about it as our share of the resource revenue and, you know, think about it being taxed back by the government, basically in the form of a flat cash payment by every person mm -hmm. in Alaska, that does seem really unfair. Yeah, and again, it kind of depends on how you think about it. What do you know about this advisory vote that he's talking about there? Yeah, that wasn't that the advisory vote that was on whether or not to institute a um, percent of market value for the permanent fund. This is an idea that basically came up the last time we had a uh, a budget problem. You know, they, they looked at the dividend back then too, and they as, as far as they got was just asking the public for an advisory vote. So it's not really binding, and it's not really it doesn't carry any weight of law other than to say people didn't support it at that time. 
have you heard anyone talk about wanting to do any kind of advisory vote this time around? Because it does seem like we're at this point in Alaskan history where we kind of need to reassess what the permanent fund and the dividend mean to us and what what we and how we want to use them in the future. Yeah, I mean, the, the closest we really have to I mean, there's been no there's been no talk of an advisory vote. But there has been talk about putting the dividend in the Constitution, for example, Um you know, there's there's a proposal in, in the Senate that would just put the existing um, law into the Constitution, so you would basically be mandated to pay that out. Um, that's one idea. Um, the other idea, I guess, would be uh, to look at this governor's race this year. You know, one one person tells tells the public that um, you can have your dividend and and all of your state spending and everything. Uh, without a tax, and the other person says, "Well, you might need a uh, to cut, give up some of your permanent funds." So that might be a that's kind of a as close as we're probably ever actually going to get to a real proxy vote on the dividend is going to be this governor's race. So let's look at someone else who voted differently on this. That's it's more um, you know politically aligned with Chris Tuck, and that's Lescara. Um, but he voted differently and had a different take on this. Um, let's listen to what some of the, of what he had to say. You know, we all, all 40 of us uh, believe we have the most brilliant fiscal plan in the world, and uh, at some point we're going to have to come together. Um, I would say if uh, the state, um, if this legislature had passed what 21 of us had passed, which was uh, funds for a fair share for our oil that did not pass, we would have enough money in the budget uh, for a larger PFD, and that bill was blocked. And if the state had taken a look at the over 6,000 corporations that we've exempted from the state's corporate tax, which that would have been addressed by the bill passed by 21 of us last year, there might be money to pay a $2,700 PFD. But I have to live in the real world. And the real world right now is, I assume that there's nobody here advocating that you raise the PFD to $2,700 this year and then dip it down by $1,700 next year. But the real world, according to the Division of Legislative Finance, Mr. Speaker, is if we did this for two years in a row, we'll be out of our savings. I don't think that's responsible. So yeah, uh, I do think the plan that many of us passed last year was responsible and we could have avoided this debate today. But those measures have not passed. And once you start eliminating your savings, which will happen by, ne by the next fiscal year, then you start cutting schools and you start cutting the services available for senior citizens. And you also start jeopardizing the permanent fund. Because then you start dipping deeper and deeper and deeper into the earnings reserve, your only remaining savings account. And as you dig deeper and deeper into the earnings reserve, you're jeopardizing people's dividends and you're jeopardizing our ability to fund the kind of state that people want to live in. So I do feel like I've been backed into this vote. I would like a larger dividend. And I'm going to vote for a larger dividend that's been, provi been provided uh, over the last two years. But I'm not going to vote for one that bankrupts our savings accounts. And I'm not going to vote for one that jeopardizes future dividends. And I'm not going to vote for one that jeopardizes school funding and university funding and the things that give people a chance in this world, Mr. Speaker. Um, and that's where we have cobbled ourselves by not being able to adopt a true and fair and balanced fiscal plan. So, Mr. Speaker, um, had, our, had we been able to come together on getting a fair share for our oil 
and come together on closing those corporate tax loopholes, which are plaguing the state, um, I might be voting differently. But right now, I can't convince enough people to do that. And I'm backed in a corner. And I can't take all my marbles and go home and say, I didn't get what I wanted. So now let's just spend all the rest of our savings. I can't do that. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Gara is basically arguing the very progressive uh, opposition to this, which is, you know, we sure would love a, a permanent fund dividend. We sure want to protect one. But um, we also, all of that plan was really contingent on having something else that balanced it. So he's talking about um, you know, corporate taxes. He's talking about oil taxes. These are all things that the Democrats have really wanted to institute, which would help keep a dividend alive basically by diversifying the revenue so um and so you know none of those have come together so he's looking at it from the perspective of you know we really want to get to a place where we're stable and this idea of ratcheting up the dividend this year um while while continuing to drain down the savings just puts us on this really unstable fiscal path where your dividend is going to be a roller coaster and uh, state government's going to be continue to be a roller coaster. Yeah, and I can see the the thing that he's saying about like what how, what expectation does it set if we say here's your two thousand seven hundred dollars this year, and we come back next year and say here's your eight hundred dollars or your thousand dollars, and it really isn't going to appear very responsible if we do have to lower it again. What's interesting too in this is that these um, you know, Tuck and Gara are kind of like pretty politically similar guys, um, but they're really arguing for pretty different outcomes here. Obviously, one's arguing for a much bigger PFD and the other's arguing against it. And that's what is one of the really interesting parts of this whole vote is we see um, votes that go right down ideological lines and splits groups up in, in sort of different ways. And so, you know, you had Democrats voting for this and Democrats voting against it. You also had a lot of Republicans voting for the bigger dividend. But you had a few that said, hey, this isn't a great uh, fiscal idea. And one of those guys uh, who put the position up pretty eloquently is Representative uh, Chris Birch, Republican from Anchorage. Representative Birch. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I stand in opposition to this amendment. Uh, you know, we've, we, we talk a lot about uh, budgeting. We, uh, last week, I believe we went through 84 amendments attempted to uh, try to roll back uh, some of the spending. Uh, there's uh, virtually no support for uh, budget reductions uh, in, in our operating budget. That is the, f the first area that we need to reduce the budget. But uh, you, know, you know what's really happened is the, the dividend uh, payment out of the permanent fund is in fact a line item. I believe the, the courts have determined that. It's a line item. It's an expenditure item on this, uh, on this floor and in our budget. I think we have a duty and an obligation to the public. Uh, you know, in, 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 in talking to my constituents and my neighbors, they don't want to pay an income tax to perpetuate a dividend. And I think that's basically what it's going to boil down to, is if we uh, get to a position where we are unable to reduce the budget, uh, where we're unable to uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, balance the budget against the revenues, we have about a $4.5 billion UGF budget. We have about a $2.5 billion uh, revenue component. The difference is $2.5 billion. Uh, you can basically balance that with a 5% draw. I, I support a uh, percent 
percent of market value approach to, to uh, uh, basically putting a, a structured approach ahead of us to where we can have a reliable, predictable income stream. Five percent against our, our 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 public savings would would do that. Uh, and sir, I, I just I don't think this budget or this uh, amendment gets us there. I think it's spending money we don't have. We've got a reputation uh, collectively of, of doing that, uh, and I think uh, we can't afford it. I think we need to, to take a very hard look at this budget effort, and I think uh, you know percent of market value draw is reasonable, and I think that uh, this proposal uh, is just spending money we don't have, and we've, we've, we've done it too long. Thank you, sir. I'm a no vote. And so, you know, I think, I mean, the, the thing about the permanent fund that we talk about here is that, like, it's, yes, the permanent fund is creating money, right? But it only creates so much money every year, and it has an account that we can tap. And so, you know, there are um, scenarios under which the permanent fund account uh, could deplete. And so all of a sudden, we don't have the sort of money to pay out any any dividend or any government. And so that's a lot of the thinking that's already gone into this is extending the life of the earnings reserve account while the legislature figures its act out. So when he's saying we don't have the money, like, yeah, we don't have the money to continue to do this forever. And so, you know, there might be the dollars in there this year and there might be the dollars in there next year. But say, you know, say there's a huge trade war or something like that um, and our economy starts to tank. It's like so much of the permanent fund is um, tied up in in real estate and other sort of like very somewhat volatile, potentially volatile um, assets. So it could really change very really quickly and i think that's part of the concern there too and that's another thing to mention too about the permanent fund is that the more they fiddle with it the more that there's a question about how it will be managed and what's going on with it the more the fund managers are having to uh basically ramp down their investment strategies they're they're um you see a lot of articles about people uh putting money into safer investments or investments that can be liquidated uh, faster yeah. And, you know, the, those often don't have the same returns as you'd get out of a more strategic investment. Yeah. Like for example, like the permanent fund owns like a uh, uh, an interest stake in, in a mall in, in your Washington, D.C. And that, that that's something that's worth a lot and returns quite a bit of money. But it doesn't you can't turn that around tomorrow and turn that money into cash. OK, so where does this leave us? They passed the amendment to the bill uh, and it was a narrow vote. It was. Uh, what, 21 to 19? Is that yeah. correct? And so the tongue-twisting part of this is there's 21 votes in favor, 19 votes against, but in that 21 votes that supported this permanent fund change is there's a minority of the House Majority Coalition voted for it, and then a majority of the minority Republicans voted against, or for also a majority of You the, almost did it. You almost did the tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> A minority, but yeah, it was. Yeah. but it was all it was all jumbled up. Is yeah. what you're trying to say. Yeah, so <laughs> and and it was fascinating. And I love I I actually love this about this vote. Like this is the kind of vote that makes me interested in policy and politics. Is because because this kind of vote means that there's room for uh there's there's room for compromise. There's room for people to change their minds. There's people uh, with different political ideologies outside of their boxes and agreeing with each other in different ways. Uh, and and this kind of this kind of thing, like if every vote was like this, I would love it because it would mean that that people were really putting some thought into things rather than just voting with a party line or a caucus. Yeah, but there's one problem with that, and we will we will get to this right after this. 
So I think we should, if you want to do the little break with the interstitials and stuff. What break? You said the, break? the last, the last sentences, right? Oh. I'm okay. just saying for Okay, podcast. yeah, yeah, right after this. Mr. Speaker, I, um, I rise in opposition to the amendment. This is one of the battles on the way to a fiscal plan. It's not the war. Now, I will say the legislature collectively has been masterful <laughs> at avoiding the, reaching the final conclusion. This is like, you know, the, the longest movie you've ever seen with, with multiple intermissions and an overture to start. I think of people that are, that are getting state services that may not get them anymore. Services out in rural areas in particular? A young mom with her children. It's seniors, it's veterans, it's poor people, those on fixed incomes. A father who used the dividend for his fuel oil. And that's a demographic that's in every district. What do we do? They need good schools. Mr. Speaker, the people of Alaska are hurting. How do we make this tough call? When they don't have this permanent fund dividend money coming into our economy, a lot of times they turn to drugs and alcohol with those financial hardships. What goes on on this floor impacts all of Alaska. Mr. Speaker, we have the highest unemployment rates in the nation right now. The permanent fund is breaking the glass to fund state government if we're in emergency and dire straits. The month of March has not been a great market month. There's a trade war going on right now, so we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what, what the return is going to be. What if we have a negative return? It's happened. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I believe that this was probably one of the most fiscally irresponsible amendments that we could possibly support at this point in time. My preference, of course, is to have a plan. I support the largest uh, PFD possible, so with that I will be supporting amendment number one. I, I think that this just drives us closer to the, the fiscal cliff. Kicking this can down the road for fear of what the electorate might think, I believe is wildly irresponsible. A billion dollars is a lot. Mr. Speaker, if we have a half million dollars to spend on vitamin D, I have a very difficult time uh, standing up and supporting a reduced dividend. Um, I will speak in support of this amendment. I'm a no on this one, Mr. Speaker, because ultimately it's the fiscally responsible thing to do. It's my belief, according to our Constitution, that those resources belong to the people. And I believe we have no excuse but to pay the full statutorily calculated PFD this year. Thank you. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. It's the most regressive plan we could possibly put in place. I have a lot of trouble accepting a really regressive measure, a measure which takes the most proportionally from those who have the least. Uh, my constituency is incredibly divided on this particular subject. I stand in opposition to this amendment. You know, I'm sorry, but I see it a totally different way. After we take a vote, regardless of the outcome, we still have a responsibility to move forward with some type of plan. The oil industry has been given tens of billions in subsidies and in rates under the market average. We need to require more of them. Sometimes I feel like this is a popularity contest. Are you ready for the question? I'm still not exactly sure, Mr. Speaker, which button I'm going to push. The question being, shall amendment number one pass the House? Members may proceed to vote. With a vote of 21 yeas and 19 nays, amendment number one has passed the House. Brief it ease. So this vote is also interesting because it completely derailed the budget process. It like gridlocked the House for a solid week. And spectacularly, uh, spectacularly so. 
okay, now you can give me the bad news. And so, so yeah, so the so this thing, I mean, it really blew the budget open, right? And so they they added almost a billion dollars of spending, whether or not you want to consider it spending. There's another billion dollars in the budget, and that's a billion dollars less for future spending. So remember we talked about the breakdown of the votes there, that the minority of the House majority voted for the increased dividend? You're still not going to get it. You're still not going to do it. That's, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, but so the majority is is the only really responsible party for getting the budget across the line because the budget is so big with all those other sorts of spending in here the the minority republicans aren't going to vote for it one way or another so it's completely on the house majority coalition to pass it and surprise they don't a majority of them don't like the um the didn't like the pfd in there they didn't like the full pfd in there so it got hung up for a week and then somehow they made up a compromise yeah, and so that compromise was to return today. It's about 2.30 p.m. on March 30th, and about an hour, about half an hour ago, the House decided to undo all its votes. All the amendments. To, on the PFD. So they undid yeah. the, so they took the $2,000 or $2,700 PFD out of the budget. It's called rescinding your action. You can basically do it whenever. So they they rescinded their action on that undoing the budget so it bounces back to the default then they go back in and um they put in uh basically what was the original compromise measure which was a 1600 dollars pfd that gets approved that goes into the budget that's all approved now so we have a 1600 dollars pfd instead of a 2700 dollars pfd so matt why didn't they just send their budget over to the senate and let the senate cut out the the pfd do you think the Senate would have done that, or would they have just so let that's it pass? what that's what I that's what I was wondering about too. I watched this and I always thought to myself, uh, you know, it doesn't. I don't think you need to fix it before you send it over there. Just keep it moving. You don't need to spend a week. But so what I've heard since then is the Senate. You know, this is a this is a very political year. This is a very there's election a lot of elections this year that are really important, and the Senate didn't look like they had the votes to change it either. They might have been able to knock like $200 off of it, but not bring it down to like the quote unquote, like fiscally responsible level. So the House is looking at it. If they didn't undo their action, they could have sent the budget to the governor with this massive dividend in it and this massive $2 billion of spending on the dividend. And just trust that he would line out and veto it. But he's also got an election this year, so maybe he wouldn't. So so it seemed actually that was the thing that excited me is like it it passed the House. And I was like, oh, wow, it might just go all the way because the Senate can't stop it without jeopardizing themselves. And also they might strategically see it as just this lovely piece of uh, red meat to dangle out in front of Walker on during an election year. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, who knows with Walker, like he might just like bite down on something like that or he might say listen you guys i gave you numerous plans and you didn't do them and this is what you're sending me so fine if this is what you want let's sign off on it and <laughs> i don't know it's yeah. just it, it's I, really it was really unpredictable what would happen so it's probably wise that the house fixed it themselves sixteen hundred dollars is still a pretty sizable amount of free money to get in a year so i and i know that free money is not exactly the right word to be using there but that's yeah, it's really what it is on some level. So, so Matt, after hearing all these arguments and, and observing this um, unfold this week and, and thinking a lot about the permanent fund, how would you have voted in that situation? And what would you what would you want to see? What is your 
like if, if you were just unilateral Matt, what's what kind of PFD are we going to get this year? Oh, that's a scary question. I mean, if it was all up to me too, I, I mean, I'm in the camp of people who would have said, let's, let's compromise somewhere on the PFD and let's do the income tax or something like that. So I, I'm in, I'm in the balanced fiscal plan group really. Right. But not, but there's no, but there's no income tax, right? So there's not, right? So what do you so, do? So I kind of, I kind of am, I would probably be in the group of people that's, there's about seven legislators that were in the majority coalition that changed their vote, that they voted for the dividend and they voted to undo the dividend. I'm probably, I probably would have been in there. I think, I think I liked, I definitely would have liked the, um, sort of the chaos of proposing a full dividend, especially if it's a political move to get to a balanced fiscal plan. But when the reality of the situation is that if we do send it over and it does go into law, that we have blown up the state's finances, then yeah, I probably would have retreated too. So I like the po- I like the politics of a full dividend. I don't necessarily like the, the financial re- reality of a full dividend. So at least this year, when it's that much. I'd like to think <laughs> that I would have voted for the full PFD. Like I, you, you, you would have, yeah. I I don't know. I'm I maybe could have got on board with a compromise in the end, but I'd like to think that I would have held out for a full PFD for for a while at least. Um, and why I, and why is that? Well, I I think it's really I do agree that the resources are owned by the people and that we can't just think of this as money that the the legislature can just take away. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's the right way to deal with the permanent fund dividend. And I think the permanent fund dividend is incredibly important um, because it acts as a shield to protect the permanent fund, which is our state savings. And so, it, you know, it's really doing what it was intended to do. It's making it very difficult for people to chew through the dividend to get at the fund. You know, it's this big attractive pot of money that everyone wants to spend on their bridge project or their dam or their oil company or whatever. Like everyone has an idea for how to spend $64 billion. But isn't this the time to where, you know, isn't this, wouldn't you argue that this could be the time to, that we start to chew through it? Because yeah. you know, the, the our main source of revenues disappeared um, and it doesn't look like it's coming back in any sort of significant way. So sure, I mean, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, the rainy day fund idea, right? And so wh- what I would do is I would conjure up the ghost of Jay Hammond, as everyone does in every permanent <laughs> fund <laughs> argument ever, and uh, and I would just let him say this. I'm going to look right now, 17 years in the future. The year is 2010. Alaska's oil royalties are fading rather rapidly. We have a new governor who took office today, and her job is not going to be very easy, I'll guarantee you. What must our leaders do starting now to ensure Alaska a bright economic future and ensure some smooth sailing for that new governor? Governor Hammond, I want to pick on you first. Just last week, you expressed some very interesting thoughts in a column in the Anchorage Daily News. Uh, I read the column two or three times, and I have it here. The headline says, uh, Cap Fund Dividends Only as the Very Last Report or resort by Jay Hammond. You seem to oppose capping the permanent fund dividends, and maybe even making them a little larger, distribute them more. At the same time, you say some things about favoring an income tax, maybe an employment tax, a school tax, and you talk about involving transients in helping pay for Alaska's bills. Why don't you tell us, (laughs) Governor Hammond, what you think the role of the permanent fund should be in our economy? And your thoughts about those taxes you mentioned, too. Well, 
it's unfortunate you haven't seen the second article that is not out yet. <laughs> but it builds on the first and it explains exactly what I meant. The permanent fund is, has been, and will be providing for government services or providing the capability of Alaskans to meet the cost of those services through user fees and the inevitable tax burden which will be imposed upon them. Now, the one error in that article is the headline. I think it says cap dividends as last resort. It says cap fund dividends only as a very last resort. All right, if you read the article, I have concluded, and it says in the article, that there is never a point at which we should tap the dividend, cap the dividend, or whatever you want to call it, instead of raising the same equivalency of dollars through cranking up whatever tax regimens you have in place. And this is where the income tax comes in. Why? Because roughly 25% of those dollars will be extracted from people who come to Alaska and leave the state paying virtually nothing for the price of admission. A recent study by Governor Hickel's administration shows that the amount of those dollars is an incredible annually $747 million a year. To me, it would be asinine, frankly, to reduce dividends and thereby impose a head tax on Alaskans and only Alaskans without at least first imposing such a thing as an income tax, extracting revenues from people who come up here. But again, I ask at the last four gatherings of economic summits that I've been in attendance, would anybody tell me when it, whenever it makes more sense to cap dividends than it would be to, again, ratchet up an income tax or a wage tax or whatever, an equivalency, and thereby put the tax load on those who can best afford it and have it shared by non-residents. Otherwise, you're putting the whole burden on Alaskans and only Alaskans. So I should mention that that uh, audio clip is provided courtesy of KUAC television uh, via the Alaska Film Archives at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And they have all kinds of great old videos uh, if you want to go back and listen to uh, politics from yesteryear. Uh, Governor Cooper, I recall three or four years ago, you, you had lots of ideas for using the permanent fund, uh, an educational endowment and some other things like that, and sure. they didn't quite make it. Do you agree with Governor Hammond? No. No. I, I, uh, in uh, 1976, when the permanent fund was uh, put to the voters of this state, it was clear uh, to those of us who in the, were in the legislature at the time that some of that money at least should be used to offset government expenses when the oil money ran out. Yeah, and so you can't, you can't fall back on something that Hammond said 25 years ago as like your end-all be-all solution, but, but it really is, um, you know, he was a bright guy and he, he had a vision for what this was and, um, you know, I don't think we're living up to it right now. I think that we need to reassess what we want it to be for ourselves you know we need to get the um we need to get the people of alaska involved in deciding what it is uh, like i said earlier a lot of people grew up here with the dividend and just take it for granted and we need to decide you know like if we're a resource owner state and this is our money what do we want to do with it and um you know i guess we elect elected officials to represent us in the government and they make those decisions for us but uh i don't know i'd, I'd like to see a vote of the people on what happens with the permanent fund dividend like do you want a income tax that claws back the permanent fund dividend that you receive um, and, and collects revenue from other sources as well, people who from out of state who make money here, uh, or do you want to see the government um, spend, your, spend down your PFD by using the earnings? And I think that that's a question that's fair to ask the people 
Um, cause I, because I think that it's difficult to institute an income tax, and I think it needs to be something that the people of Alaska are on board with. Um, and I think if that's the option, I hope that they would get it, get on board with it. I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's very enlightenment thinking of you, I think. I mean, the problem is that, I, you know, the political reality of it, though, is that we have so many people in the state that have kind of continued to um, offer this kind of fantasy world where we can just cut our way out of everything, that we can continue to have some sort of, like, good government and a full PFD and no taxes. And somehow there's there's still quite a few people that I think are being fed this reality or fed this false reality where we don't have to do anything to pay for it. We can keep everything we want. And those are the people that I think worry me a little bit, where they're not really looking at the financial reality of it. And then I think then you end up with a horrible situation like in Kansas or whatever, where they've like cut taxes to nothing. And then you have a, a horrible decimation of public services and education and all those sort of like underpinnings that make the government, uh, the government. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we're, (laughs) we're two guys on a podcast. We're not going to solve this today, but it's good that we're thinking about it. And it's good that other people in Alaska are thinking about it. And, um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a important election year because whatever happens this year is either going to get us to a fiscal plan or it's going to drive our state into the dirt. Yeah, I can agree with that. All right. I think that's probably a good place to end. That's a nice yeah, positive note to end note. on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So in the meantime, you'll be able to find me on Twitter at, at Matt Buxton. You can find my writings uh, daily at midnightsunak.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we, we're doing daily coverage of the Alaska legislature and, and sort of breakout stories on things that are important. And it's uh, kind of my, my daily job now. Yeah. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Alaska Robotics. Um, I've been grumpy lately and arguing with a lot of people. So So just stay away from that. And uh, what else? Oh, and I have a comic shop that is now uh, buried in rubble. You can find me downtown at 220 Front Street where they're tearing up the road. Uh, We really appreciate you navigating the uh, construction debris and coming in and buying books because uh, it's uh, (laughs) it's getting uh, we're, we're in the shadow of a backhoe right now. Oh no! Yeah, yeah that, those, uh, yeah, the road construction gonna be dire. It's gonna be a tough spring. Um, all right. Well, uh, goodbye, Alaska. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. And thanks again. The Jay Hammond audio clip was provided courtesy of KUAC Television uh, and the Alaska Film Archives at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And a big thanks to the Gavel crew who's always keeping tabs on all the hearings and floor sessions. And all of that Gavel to Gavel audio can be found in the archives at 360north.org.